Welcome to Christian Curious with Dr. Haley Scott of Denver Seminary. What are the challenges we face in today's church and culture in a postmodern, post-Christian era? Dr. Haley believes that in addressing those issues, the church must adopt a missional mindset. Christianity does hold the answers to the big questions of today's culture. Let's join Dr. Haley for today's edition of Christian Curious. Every few months, the Pew Research Company and the Barna Research Group publish the results of studies that aim to take the pulse of Christianity in America. Most of that research includes Christians as individuals who adhere to the Christian faith or to churches at large. But what about Christian parachurch ministries who aren't necessarily affiliated with a church? What is happening in those organizations, and what can this tell us about the state of Christianity around the world? This is Christian Curious with your host, Haley Gray Scott. Parachurch organizations are Christian faith-based organizations that carry out their mission, usually independent of, of church oversight. The prefix para is Greek for beside or alongside. They include ministries such as Campus Crusade for Christ, World Vision, and Samaritan's Purse. These ministries impact the lives of millions around the world. What can their story tell us about what is happening in Christianity today? Our guest today has a unique vantage point from which to understand what's happening in the evangelical nonprofit world, especially during the pandemic. Tammy Haim has been the president and CEO of the Christian Leadership Alliance, which is the premier resource for professional nonprofit leadership development since January 2012. Her professional career includes executive leadership experience in the technology, marketing, publishing, and retail industries. Tammy, welcome to Christian Curious. Well, it is so good to be here with you, Haley. Thanks for having me on the program today. Well, thank you for being here. I think you've got a lot to teach us about a bigger story of what's happening in Christianity in America and around the world. And so for those who may not be familiar with the Christian Leadership Alliance, can you tell us a little bit about the mission of CLA and how many organizations are affiliated with the Christian Leadership Alliance? Oh, absolutely. Thank you. Um, well, first of all, Christian Leadership Alliance began back in 1976. And it really um, came under the inspiration of Ted Engstrom, who at the time was the CEO of World Vision International. And Ted was known as a man of excellence, and so he was always pushing um, whatever the current practice was, because they always believed there was a better one. And he hired um, two young accountants to come on board and to assess their reporting financially. They came back, they offered to do what they offered up what they thought they could do that would really help the ministry. And, of course, Ted said, let's do this. And it was a transformational impact for World Vision International because in the resetting of the financial structures and the reporting, they were able to measure impact wow. outcomes. And as a result of that, um, they made the changes, and it opened up um, – it opened up the data that was necessary to capture the, the imagination and the generosity of high-capacity people. And Ted was so excited about it, he charged them to go and gather leaders and to share the best practices of what they did at World Vision International so that everyone could benefit. And that was just the kind of man Ted was. Well, they got 20 people together in L.A. in the old Rogers Stadium, and they 
shared what they had done. And then they asked the leaders to come and bring their own best practices, right? What are the good things that you're doing? Mm-hmm. And anyway, that's the essence of Christian Leadership Alliance. And we've been doing that now for 44 years. And our mission overall is just to equip and unite leaders called to transform the world for Christ. So we're, we're recognizing that we're stronger when we're together and that the experiences that God gives us in our leadership roles are never just for us. There are things that can pass through us and empower and inspire and take all ministries to a higher level. Um, we asked about the, the size of Christian Leadership Alliance mm-hmm. and how many we serve. Um, our annual year runs from July to June, and in this past fiscal year, we equipped over 186,000 leaders. Wow. And we did that by producing 1.6 million verifiable equipping encounters, where we know that the content and the experience that we created actually touched and influenced a leader. And then we convened over 52,000 leaders in exchanges um, and commentary and discussion about best practices. At the core of the community, we have um, approximately 1,200 organizational members of the Alliance, and um, they all stand for investing in each other. The thing that I love most about the community is they put their egos and their logos at the door, mm-hmm. and they come in and they say, we just want to share richly from the abundance of what God is doing in us and through us that it might inspire you or trigger new ideas and innovation within your ministry. You know what I love about the Christian Leadership Alliance is something that's missing, I think, from the evangelical church. The Christian Leadership Alliance is sort of a unifying or organization where Christian parachurches who might otherwise be competing with one another for donations or um, any kind of uh, financial gifts, that this leader, leader, the Christian Leadership Alliance is this unifying presence that we don't really have in evangelical churches. I think a lot of that comes from the fact that everything that we do, we base on biblical um, perspective. So our ministries understand God's ownership and their assignment in his plan. So they see themselves as steward leaders, and they know that um, they bring the best of what they have. They trust God to lead and guide them, um, and they also trust him for the outcome. And this whole idea within the alliance is if you think about the members, um, but it's a wide variety of different kinds of ministries, at some point they are all out to meet a very deep human felt need. Yeah. And at the point of meeting that need, it opens the door that they can share the, inter- you know, the eternal hope and truth that's only found in the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. So in that mission statement, transforming the world for Christ, that's what we're standing for. We share that same outcome. And so it makes us not competitors, but truly allies right. in this, because there's more than enough. I mean, the scripture tells us the fields are white for harvest, but the laborers are few. There's more than enough work, and we know that God is the God of provision, mm-hmm. and he will fuel um, that he has ordained. And so there's more than enough to sustain the work of these ministries and for God to accomplish his plan. That's an incredible perspective, and one that I think that the evangelical church can look to as as a um, 
as a presence that we can replicate in some way, possibly to, to unite evangelical churches. I think it's incredibly important. Um, You know, when the pandemic hit earlier this year, I'm curious to know from your perspective, what was the first thing you noticed about how ministries reacted and did it vary from state to state or country to country? That is such a good question. Um, I, I, I would say that I don't know that I could put a geographic ta- a tag on it and say this is really what it is. I know that there were many ministries within the alliance that were kind of on the front line of the crisis. I mean, when you think about it, when there's a crisis in the world, um, when relief comes, you can always find nonprofits rallied to meet right. that need, right? So um, there was, for, so for instance, uh, you know, I think of um, the homeless. I mean, their vulnerability in a time of a pandemic. So a lot of rescue missions or the Salvation Army, I mean, they were on the, the front lines of doing a lot of good work there. In fact, uh, the national commander of the Salvation Army, I was having a conversation with him about, you know, they were all hands on deck. And he said, you know, it's times like this that we get to be our best, you know, that we, we're really fulfilling our mission and purpose. And that really we spend all our time training and equipping for times like this. Yes. So I think there was a, a variety of difference. The thing that I think was probably uniform is that um, we were experiencing um, in, in the cycle that we go through in anything. You know, we were all doing ministry as usual, right? And this is what we do, and this is our process. And then crisis hit. And it threw many of our ministries into the state where they had to begin to think the unthinkable, that they were looking for a breakthrough, like, okay, what do we have to do different? I mean, how do we adapt to this situation, the things that are happening? And for many, it opened the door to create a new reality um, that came quicker than maybe what they ever imagined it would. And I definitely think, Haley, I definitely think that God accelerated digital competency across all ministries. And that was even very clear for us at Christian Leadership Alliance. We, we, got a, we, we had a glimpse of what might be possible, but we saw it um, become a new reality as ministries were figuring out, how do I make this adjustment? You know, pivot became the, the word of the month, right? Or the, uh-huh. the first two months, I think, of the, the pandemic that people were saying, okay, I have to adapt. And in that adaption, they also had to have extraordinary dependence on God. And even today, if you think about it, I mean, we get a little hope because there's talk of a vaccine. You know, we see cases going down in some areas. I mean, there's a lot of things that might be encouraging, but we still don't really know. But what we do know is that God's in control and God's in charge, and he has this here to fulfill his purpose. So it, it causes our dependency to grow. And I think when our dependency on God grows, his ability to do more things accelerates. You know, there's nothing like a crisis to bring into stark relief the our calling on our life and our dependence on our faith. And so I can see how this crisis um, enabled us to start thinking deeply about what we believe, what God is wanting us to do, and how can we adapt to changing circumstances when it when we don't even know, really, we don't have enough light for the step we're on. You know, just this morning, I tumbled down the stairs because 
there wasn't enough light for me to see um, one of the two of the stairs had blended and there it's sort of like that the crisis enables us to see exactly what is important what our faith is and how we can start to impact change and meet the needs of the people well i think sometimes it comes from that step of faith i'm glad you're okay and that's a perfect <laughs> analogy but i think um, i'm falling down the stairs for me i felt like um I've been on the edge of something that I can't see beyond because the fog is so thick. Right. But in the distance, above the fog, I can see like this little mountaintop and there's somebody waving the flag. Like God's saying, I'm here, just trust me. That's a great and image. And it's the courage to, 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 to take the next step. And I think sometimes it's taking the next step. I mean, we, we, we fret about things in the past and then we have fear of the future and it paralyzes us in the present. And God's saying, no, move. I've entrusted you with this time. Trust me. And so we we take that next step. And I'm not, I mean, I don't know if your your listeners are used to or have heard of, I'm sure many of them have gone through the old Bible study um, with um, Henry Blackaby, Experiencing God. Yes. And he talks about a crisis of faith, and we all encounter them. And the question becomes, the next step we take, says everything about what we believe about God. And That's I've so been true. so present to that personally saying, okay, I'm either going to do this or I'm not doing this, but what is that saying about what I believe about what God can do? Yes. And and I want people to see the example of what it is when, you know, Christ, you know, the, the appeal of Christ in us, walking this out by faith with confidence in humility and being open to whatever it is that comes next. And what that's going to look like. So I, I loved your analogy, but I felt that it's like I still see that flag, and it, it's still a little cloudy, and right? Foggy, but I just keep going because I know if I, you know, another night if I roll away the stone, then God will show up and do what only He can do. But there's things that I can do in partnership with Him, and it's going to increase my faith and um, just, you know, help me advance His agenda. Is that how you're seeing other organizations react? They know that they don't have enough light for the next step because it's just shrouded in ambiguity, but maybe perhaps they are seeing that mountaintop with someone waving the flag. Do you see that in the leadership of these Christian organizations? Yeah, I I feel like we're kind of, everybody to some degree is just experiencing like the glory grit of God, the passion and the perseverance um, to come through. And, uh, you know, and I think, they're moving at different levels. I mean, we just, we had to take our annual live conference and flip it to a digital conference. And we had 30 days to turn that around. But in there, um, everybody had to think differently about the way they did their presentations and the way they keep things up. And for the first time, someone could attend an outcomes conference or annual conference and go to every single session. Yeah. And there was a lot of conversation in that um, experience about, you know, leading through COVID, but it doesn't matter if it's COVID or whatever. I think the leadership principles of leading through difficulty and chaos and changing, I mean, those are timeless. Those are true. I mean, we have biblical example upon biblical example about how to do that. And I would say, just like anything, um, ministries run that race forward at at different rates. 
Um, the one thing they've had to just adjust to, you know, how do I think about engaging my donors in those relationships? Because now the donors are hurting. I mm-hmm. mean, when you're when you're experiencing something that's global, it's a shared experience, and there's good news and bad news in that. But they had to readjust their thinking about that. Um, this idea of anticipating the future is really hard, especially if you're a leader of an organization. You know, you have all of your people looking to you saying, okay, give us the hope, give us the answer. And so that's a, a new kind of challenge um, for many of them. And candidly, a lot of the ministries have had a really tough decision. I mean, Haley, we hear it all the time. I mean, we made, we made some painful cuts, even at Christian Leadership Alliance, and then you know, I'll talk to leaders' organization. And they're like, you know, we had to let 50 people go. So it's challenging. We're not, I would say, faith-based ministries are not um, not being impacted in this way. But in that, you have to say, well, you know, sometimes pruning is good. Um, think of scripture. You know, God always took the, you know, the children of Israel, and He would often take them down to a remnant. Right. It would be faithful and start again. So we we are going through, I think, a, a pruning process. But those that are just keeping their eyes on Christ and choosing to look through a spiritual lens, I think, are are moving faster than others. Yeah, I think that the crisis has caused us to realize something that's always been true: that you know we have this idea that we have control that we have uh, prediction powers about the future, that we know exactly the way that we should go. But the truth is, is we don't really have that type of control. We can make uh, guesstimates on what's going to happen in the future, but as leaders, we really have no control over the future or what steps we'll have to ta- we will have to take. And a crisis reminds us of how powerless we can actually be. Yes. Well, and again, and that throws us into a dependency on God. You know, um, you know, He promises to be there if we seek Him, and sometimes we get into the patterns of leading, and this is what happens. And, and I would say ministries are always praying over their plans, but then it comes to the point of execution, and um, some are more diligent than others in praying for God's hand in every step of the execution and the details. Mm-hmm. And those kinds of things. But, you know, when we go back and we're just like, I, I don't even know which step to take next. Um, you know, in all transparency, when our conference was canceled or we knew that we couldn't have it in Dallas, I spent the next hour really on my knees before God saying, all the things that you've done for 44 years, are we going to be like a, a casualty of the COVID crisis? Is this, is this how we end, Lord? Is this, what, is this what you want? And really getting my heart to a place to say, whatever, Lord, whatever. Not why, but whatever you want to do. And Haley, an hour later, I got a phone call from someone that we had been working with for the past two years trying to understand their technology and their platform that gifted us with the platform that would make the conference possible. God answered the prayer when I was on my knees not knowing, before I even knew how to ask. And that's, you know, when you experience that, you just don't ever want to not be in that place because God's plan is always best. His provision is always best. I mean, that's when he shows up. And 
and came to me and get full credit for all of it. That wasn't me. That was him in that moment. Now it strengthened my faith. Well, you know, I think that that's provided. It's an important movement in your own heart to get, to move from the question why, which is my favorite question and has been my favorite question since I could talk, <laughs> to whatever. That is a huge yeah. movement in heart and spirit to be able yeah. to position your your own heart and your own attitude towards whatever God has for the future. It's a big movement that happened in that hour. Um, and the leader has to move there because... No one else will move there until the leader moves there. Yes. You know, you've mentioned so part be- of the responsibility. You've mentioned before that, you know, God is doing epic things during this pandemic, but Satan is distracting us. And I'd love to hear you unpack that a little bit. How do you think Satan dist- is distracting Christians during this period of COVID? Well, um, COVID in and of itself is kind of a distracting thing because early on, I mean, we knew so little about it, right? Mm-hmm. And when we know little about something and then we, we see it consuming things, I mean, obviously that creates a ton of fear. And fear is deadly. You know, so I always say that fear and pride are the two arrows in, the, in Satan's quiver, and it has a lot of different nuances to it. But fear truly is paralyzing. That's what I was just going to say. It's paralysis. It it stops you. So he stops. I mean, you know, so what a great game plan to just stop um, the work of ministries because, okay, we just don't even know what this is or how we fit in. So everybody is on pause. And, and, And so that slows down God's work, and it kind of advances that because, you know, fear, again, can be very contagious. Um, in the way that it happens. And so there's the fear of COVID. And then it's followed by the fear of how do we survive? It's the fear of, you know, um, then the economy goes and then things get shut down. And it's like, okay, how's that going to impact people that have generously supported the ministry? And where are they? Or, I mean, you know, for us, you know, we're in the midst of that. And again, we have a conference coming up and people aren't thinking about attending a conference in spring right now. So things slow down, and you're like, okay, so the economy. Again, what what does the Bible talk a lot about is, like, money. I mean, you know, attachment to money and finances and all those things. So it's like it feels like the enemy is hitting us in all these ways, and then you throw in turmoil in the country. Right. Cities on fire. Um, you, you go into a political climate that um, – it's really going to depend. Are we going to be a democracy? Or are we going to go to, a, you know, a more of a socialist, communist model for governing in the country? You know, and all of a sudden there's the fear of what does that mean for Christian leaders? It's what's going to happen to, you know, religious freedom, um, religion, you know, Christian values. I mean, so all of those things are incredible. Can just knock you up. I mean, just knock you up. And oh my goodness. Um, but that's why you have to ask the what question. Okay, God, I know who I am in you, and I want to see this as you see it. Show me this world with your eyes and help me understand what's going on and what's my place in it. Um, mm-hmm. Many years ago, I had the opportunity to sit in a YWAM um, 
presentation on evangelizing the world. And they said that there's four questions that everybody asks. Who am I? Why am I here? What's going on in the world and how I make a difference in it? And I think what we're all experiencing right now, people are, whether they're of faith or not, they're like trying to find answers to those questions. The epic work of God, Haley, is that they are so right for the gospel. Yeah. More and more people are coming to that saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. People are saying, I'm going to follow him. Now, that doesn't get publicized. That's definitely not what's on the news. It's happening. I mean, when we get stories about the fact that Christianity is like spreading like wildfire in Iran, you sit up and you say, that God, only God, right? Yeah. So, And the fact that we don't get that information, you know, we get assaulted with studies that show that Christianity is on the decline, but we don't hear about the stories where Christianity is spreading like wildfire in some of these countries. Um, It would be interesting to know, I know uh, Gordon Conwell, they do an annual report that kind of summarizes the growth of Christianity. And the last one that I saw, I think it was 2019, they talked about that Christianity is still the fastest growing faith and that they projected it to be that way to 2015, despite all the things that we hear, right, from Mm -hmm. other sources. But I have to wonder, what does that look like now that we're in the crisis and we hear stories over and over again of just people coming to Christ? Because they're answering those questions, and really those questions can only be fully answered in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. You know, I've heard the prediction that um, by 2050, uh, secularism will be on the decline or non-existent by 2050. Be- because of oh, the immigrant. Well, that's encouraging how those collide. Because of the immigration. More immigrants are coming that believe in the Christian faith. And because of that, um, some sociologists are predicting that by 2050, secularism will be declining or non-existent. I don't think it's going to be non-existent, but it's an interesting theory to think about when you posit that alongside all of the studies that we read about Christianity being on the decline. And um, Tammy, I thank you so much for for sharing with us a little bit about how God is working through these parachurch organizations. Well, again, um, thank you for having me. And, you know, as I see all this there, there every day I am fully convinced that um, God's promises are true, that he will complete what he has promised to us. And that as Christians, we've been entrusted. Amy, we've been entrusted with this time to steward. Mm-hmm. On the whole timeline of eternity, he gave his people that are here today this time. And I just don't want to miss being a part of what God is in the midst of doing right now. And, um, and we can only understand that by asking what and to just be on our knees and say, God, show me the next step. I don't need to know the rest. I know we went in the end. Just show me the next step. Yeah. And give me the strength and the power of your Holy Spirit to take it. You know, I think that's a powerful closing note for listeners to take away is to don't let yourself not be a part of what God is doing. Take action. Pray to God about the next step with hopeful, open attitude. Tammy, thank you so much for being yeah. with us today. Well, so good to be with you. I appreciate you so much. And I I love that you're on the edge of that research and just helping us understand 
in many ways, what God is doing in in, um, the time in which we live. So thank you for that, Haley. Thank you, Tammy. And thank you, listeners, for tuning in to Christian Curious. Reach out anytime with your questions or comments to Haley at hgscott.com. That's H-A-L-E-E at hgscott.com. Stay curious. Thank you for listening to Christian Curious with Dr. Haley. You can contact her with your comments or questions about today's show at her email, drhaley at christiancurious.org. That's D-R-H-A-L-E-E at christiancurious.org. You may also learn more by visiting the Christian Curious website, christiancurious.org. Join Dr. Haley again next week for Christian Curious on AM 670 KLTT.